You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. What a great service already this morning, man. It's just so, so much fun. God is so good all the time. Uh, my name is Andrew, one of the pastors on staff here, and I'll, I'll just be with you for the next few minutes. Uh, if you are new here, I want to say you're in the right place. God has got something for you this morning, and you're going to leave this place encouraged. If you're not already encouraged and inspired, uh, certainly my goal is, is to, to uh, further inspire you. One of the things that we realize and believe is that God does doesn't give his people stale bread. He gives them fresh bread. Uh, and that, that's what Bethlehem means when Jesus came to Bethlehem. The town of Bethlehem is the, is the town of fresh bread. Uh, and it speaks of the bread of life, that Jesus is the bread of life. He came to speak to each one of us in our situation, where we're at, the issues that we're facing, the families that we're surrounded by, the brokenness of our life, all of that. When he brings his fresh bread into that situation, it feeds us and gives us what we need. And I'm believing that God is going to do that for each one of us uh, this morning. Morning. Uh, I, I just want to kind of do a couple of preliminaries with you, and if I could get the house lights on, that would be awesome. That way, I could I could see you, beautiful people. Uh, I want to let you know about a couple of things. One is you may have noticed as you came in the door, kind of in the corner over here in the lobby, is a little merchandise shop. That is the leftover from the Every Woman conference that happened this weekend which was an incredible conference. I watched it online. I was so jealous. The worship, uh, the word, the speakers, it was, it was incredible. The ladies put on, my wife uh, and her team put on an amazing weekend. Uh, over 300 women were in attendance, not only in our church, but other churches attended. And we see that as an outreach and a blessing to our community, that is to our church uh, community, not just to our church individually. And I was talking with one of uh, our uh, team leaders, and they said to me, they said, hey, this conference, this Every Woman Conference is almost as big of a deal as your Emerging Leader Conference. Now, Emerging Leader Conference is my conference. <laughs> that is a big deal. That is the biggest deal. And then my wife's conference has more people, has greater worship, has better speakers. I'm thinking, wow, she's got something going on. So uh, ladies, it was just an incredible weekend and I, I just uh, am celebrating with you. Always as part of that, Carrie has uh, some merchandise that her team has created. There's t-shirts, there's earrings. Some of those things have been made by people within our congregation. Uh, there's resources there and it just is there kind of as an overflow from the weekend. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, Go ahead and grab it because it'll be gone. It won't be back uh, after this week. And I want to highlight a couple of things because this is the season, of course, moving into Christmas, and it's always a good thing to have resources and have gifts for your family. So I just want to kind of highlight a couple of those things that are available. One, there are a couple more study Bibles left, and they're beautiful. If you don't have a physical study Bible, you need one. Uh, there's something that is powerful and will take you at a, at a deeper level when you get a Bible that doesn't just have just the text, but also explains the text and helps you go deeper. Something that you can write in and highlight and, and circle and, and uh, even write things in the margin. And so there's a couple of these uh, student study Bibles left that they have there. They also make a nice gifts. Uh, if maybe you have a student, a teenager uh, that you need to give a gift to, there's a couple of them that are bound in leather. They're a little bit more expensive. There's this uh, praying the message of Jesus by Eugene Peterson. This is a daily devotional has uh, 365 devotions, little pieces of scripture with a couple of thoughts and a prayer. And uh, if you need something to help you develop 
your daily devotional time. You know, that's one of the ways that you will grow in your faith. It's really critical. It's for you to every day spend time with the Lord. Every day, set some time aside, get into his word, talk to him, uh, and open the door for him to speak to you. And one of the great ways that you can do that is have a tool like this. Uh, and so those are available and they're fairly inexpensive. There's a couple of books there that make great gifts. Uh, some of these are from our book club. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you, Amazing Grace uh, is an incredible story of uh, William Wilberforce, who is the man that really is the, the one that single-handedly um, led to the British Empire stopping the slave trade uh, in, the, in the 1700s. Incredible. Um, there's a, a couple of others. This one I think is great. If you've got a young adult, a teenager, and you want to inspire them, uh, this book, Before We Kill and Eat You, which is a wonderful title, is the true story of some missionaries uh, in Africa in the early 1900s. Incredible uh, supernatural things uh, that are told in here. It's a, it's a look into counter uh, cross-cultural ministry. It's a look into uh, relying on God and, and seeing him move. And so anyway, there's lots of resources there. I want to encourage you uh, to visit those and pick those up maybe as a gift. I'll give those to you, Candace, if I can, uh, to take them back there. Uh, so feel free to, to visit. Of course, there's great t-shirts and all, and all that kind of good stuff. Okay, um, Missions Month ended last week, and I just want to say thank you, Koinonia, for responding so powerfully uh, to our call, as we do every year, to missions, our reminder that we are to be engaged as a church with a heart that actually is not only praying and going, but also giving uh, to the world and to the partners that we're engaged with, both locally and globally, to extend the kingdom of God. And, and church, you did it. You came through so, so wonderfully. Uh, but just a reminder that if you haven't given your pledge and you want to do that, uh, we're, we're still receiving those. Maybe you have a card today, you can put it in the offering or give it at guest services. Or if you don't have a card, you can do digitally an indication of your commitment to give. Because we really do believe as a church, what we're doing is together we're committing uh, to missions and to God's heart, responding to his heart uh, to give to the world. So um, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can go onto our website and on our missions page, there's a digital pledge card. And also you can do that through the Church Center app. If you go to the bottom right-hand corner under more, there's a way that you can do that uh, as well so that you can be counted as, as part of that. And then finally, let me just say a couple of words. If you notice, Thanksgiving is here. It's right around the corner. And Thanksgiving uh, is a wonderful time, uh, and it's usually a time that also is a stressful time for many uh, as families gather together. And, and uh, you know, have you noticed that when family gets together, there's always somebody that causes problems? Uh, I mean, maybe your family's different than my family, but there's always like some, somebody that's always, you know, just, they're just messing it up, right? They, they, they come and they have drama or they create drama or, or they, you know, and, and it can be a time of great stress. Now, maybe you're hosting people in your house, that's stressful. Um, maybe you're having to go to other people's house, that's stressful. It's not your environment or sometimes for some of us, we have to go to multiple places. I, I just want to encourage you this week uh, to remind you of who you are as the people of God. That, uh, that as you go into this week, I want to encourage you have the right attitude, first of all. Have an attitude of gratefulness and thanksgiving that we get to have this time together with family. We get to, to take some time to say thank you, Lord, for the good things that he's done uh, in our life. You get this time to connect and build in relationship together. And the way that you experience this week will be greatly impacted by your decision today and every day to face the week with a certain expectation, a certain attitude. You are a person who carries the presence of Christ. 
You carry God's presence into the places that you go. Whether it's your house or somebody else's house, when you show up, you carry the presence of God. You're a life giver. You're a, a person who speaks words of life to people. You can bring healing into situations. You can bring peace in when there's chaos. You're that kind of person. Why? Because you have the Spirit of Christ in you. So don't forget that in the busyness of all this week. Don't forget that, right, when, when, you, when, you, when you get focused on all the people and the food and all the things. Remember who you, who you are. And I want to encourage you to press into relationship. Be a relationship repairer and healer. Seek out people maybe in your gatherings that are not fully engaged or that you don't know very well. Here's a little, a little tip. Ask questions. Just ask people questions. It's a great way to begin a conversation. I think it was Dale Carnegie that said that people love to talk about themselves. And if we go in trying to tell people something, we will all often miss it. And what we need to do is simply just begin to ask them and engage them. And you'll find that, that you can have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Would you just bow your head? Let's just pray because I, I know that this is going to be a full week for many, a week of rest for some. Lord, we just ask you right now for this Thanksgiving season that you would come into every home and every heart that you would empower your people, Jesus, and remind them of who they are, that they are truly carriers of your presence, life givers, people who can give gifts of wor uh, words of life and bring healing into broken situations, bring peace and joy, Lord, where there's chaos and there's frustration. And so, God, I just pray a blessing upon your people uh, that w however large their gatherings are, whether they be with many people or with few people, Lord, that they would see this as an opportunity Number one, to bless you, and secondly, to bless those around them. So Lord, just fill them right now with your grace and with your presence. And wherever there are broken relationships, wherever there are issues in families, wherever there is a concern and a worry, God, about what's about to happen, I just pray you'd bring your peace, your life, your, that you'd fill people's hearts with faith and expectation that you are at work, and you, Lord, can do what is impossible to us. You can repair relationships. You can heal breaches and brokenness. So would you do that in our families, God, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, listen, I'm excited this morning. The next few minutes, I'm going to talk to you out of Psalm 126. It is uh, called a Psalm of Ascent or a Psalm of Ascension. It's a Psalm literally of going up is what it means in the Hebrew. And I'm going to read it to you in a couple of different translations just to begin. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you about the great reversal this morning that we uh, are invited into, the thing that the Lord has done, that he has actually turned the tables on what the enemy has planned, and he's reversed our course and made a, a new way uh, for us. And if you want to follow along, I do have some notes this morning. I'm going to be moving uh, through them. The, the, the notes will be on the screen, uh, but if you would like to take notes, you can find them on the Church Center app. Uh, under that more tab on the bottom right hand corner and there's some fill in the blanks and that'll help you follow along. I do want to encourage you if you do have a Bible to turn to Psalm uh, 126 or to find that on your, uh, on your device there to follow along with the notes uh, because I, I want to begin by reading uh, really in two different translations this short psalm to you and then talk to you about it. So if you would just tune in your heart Tune in your eyes and ears. Just, just choose right now to hear uh, the word of the Lord. Psalm 126, this is in the English Standard Version. It's called a Song of Ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. 
Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Let me read it in the uh, TPT translation, the Passion Translation. Uh, he translates a song of ascent as a song of the stairway. In other words, we are climbing upwards is the sense that we're getting from the psalmist. Verse 1, it was like a dream come true. When you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion, we laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in, saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles, and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Can I read verse 4 again? Would you just look at that? Would you maybe, let's just read this together uh, because I believe it's a prayer that we're praying. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Amen. Those who sow with their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. In this section of the Psalms, there are 15 chapters or 15 Psalms that are all called Psalms of Ascent or Songs of Ascension, uh, Songs of the Stairway. They're all Psalms about uh, the idea of going up to Zion, up to Jerusalem. Uh, the, the, the idea is that the pilgrim is traveling, uh, the pilgrim who's seeking out the presence of the Lord is going, and he's always climbing upwards to Zion. Zion is Jerusalem, literally speaking, for the psalmist. It is the place where the temple of God is built. It's the place where the presence of God dwells. It's what makes the people of God, the Israeli people, so special, right? He took them, and he set them apart, and he gave them a purpose. He gave them a, a land, and he gave them his presence. And there in Jerusalem, at the top of the, the highest place in Jerusalem, was built the temple of the living God. And there in the temple, behind the curtain, there was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of Covenant was kept. And the Lord said, I will give you my presence. I will dwell there over the Ark of the Covenant, over the mercy seat. And the beautiful thing about the people of God was that they had, what made them special was that they had God's presence in their midst. And so the song of the, of the stairway, the songs of ascension are all about going up to meet God's presence going up to have a meeting with the Lord. The beautiful thing is that the Lord's presence no longer is restricted to a place in a temple. 
The Lord's presence is no longer located in the geography of Jerusalem. The Lord's presence now is available and open in the whole world to each and every person. Because when Jesus was crucified on the cross, it says that the veil of the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, from the rest of the world, keeping God's presence in, so to speak, suddenly was ripped from top to bottom, and God's presence came bursting out into the entire world. And so today, as we read this psalm, right, we're not just reading about something, someone in some t- past period going up to Jerusalem. We're also reading about ourselves and the journey that we ourselves are invited into to meet with the Lord. There's a sense in which we're going up to meet with God himself, the one who dwells in righteousness, the one who lives on his holy mountain and a holy hill. I think sometimes we make the mistake, we forget, we take for granted what God has done, the availability of his presence. And sometimes when we come into his house, like even this morning, we come a little lax, we come a, a, a little bit too lazy, we come a little bit uh, unexpected. We're, we're sort of doing a ritualistic thing. We forget we're going up to the house of God to meet with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one whom his presence, when he comes, he changes everything. Right? And if we don't actually meet with the presence of the Lord, what's the point of what we're doing? If, if we don't actually meet with God's presence and have him actually change us and speak to us and, and point out those things inside of us that need to be corrected and heal us and restore us and change our false thinkings and the, the things that we've believed, if that doesn't actually happen, then what is the point? We're just a nice social club who get together to maybe sing Kumbaya and give each other some high fives. I don't know about you, I want to meet with God. And so when we go up to God's house, there's a sense that we have to have. We're climbing the staircase to go to meet with the king. We're we're, we're actually desiring to have a meeting with the one who can change everything. So so this morning, as as we're here today, we're not not just seeking some nice advice. We're not just having a, a good time together so we get jazzed up for the week. We're actually coming to encounter a person who can transform our lives, who can take the broken places, who can take the broken relationships, and he can actually bring healing in them. He can take mountains that are impossible and melt them like wax, is what the scripture says, before the presence of the Lord, all those impossible situations, they just begin to crumble. Now, that's, that's what happens when we get into his presence. I want to meet with God. I want to have an encounter of his presence. And here at the beginning, I just would, would want to invite you to do the same thing. I'm going to invite you to do something. Would you stand to your feet? And I just want to take 60 seconds, and I want to invite you to actually say to the Lord that you want to meet with him. I want to invite you to begin to express to him, God, we're here for the purpose of meeting with you. If we don't meet your presence, if you don't come and touch us, then what's the point, God? So I'm just going to say, would you just begin with your mouth to make some noise, pray out loud, and just say, God, we're here to meet with you. We're not here for a good time, God. We're here for a God time. We're here to, uh, to meet with the presence of the living king who has all things in his hands, who can change things and m- move things and make things, all things new. And so, Lord, if we we don't meet with you, then we've missed out today. So we're just crying out with desperation. Oh God, would you meet with us this morning? Would you bring your presence into this place? Would you change our hearts? Would you begin to illuminate and shine in the dark places, God? Those places that are resistant to you. Those places, God, that are disobedient to you. God, would you begin to adjust us this morning? Oh Lord, would you bring your healing into hearts and minds? Would you bring your restoration into those dry and parched areas? Would you 
flood us, God, with your presence this morning. Would you flood us with your presence? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? For the remaining minutes that we're here together, God, would you just speak to us? Would you, would you begin to, to breathe on those areas of our heart and of our mind that have been resistant to you, Lord, and we're far away? Would you wake us up right now, we pray, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Let me talk to you for a few moments about the great reversal Psalm 126 is really about a reversal of fortunes. It's about a change of direction. Uh, it, it's, the idea in Psalm 126 is, is that they were headed for disaster, and then something happened. They were headed for destruction, and, and there was a turnaround. And this morning, as, as I walk through this, uh, I'm going to talk to you about five reversals that we see in this psalm. I want to talk to you in two levels there's a level of uh, literally what the psalmist is speaking about in that moment, historically speaking, that speaks to the, the people of Israel that were actually living through this moment. Uh, and, and that's what we see in the Old Testament. When we go to the Old Testament, we actually see a historical record of how God encountered a people. He set them apart. He gave them a purpose. He gave them a place, and he called them according to his purpose. And so there's that, that's that first level. But there's a second level when we read a psalm like this. Really, whenever we read the Old Testament in its entirety, we should always have the expectation there's at least two levels that are going on. There's the level of history and the level of the encounter that God was having in that moment. And then there's the level that happens with the church today. And when we read Psalm 126, we're not just reading about something that God did, we're also reading about something that God is doing right now in the church, something that he's doing in your life. And so the great reversal is not just one that happened for the people of Israel, it's also one that happens for us and to us every single day. And, and, and let me just give you, if I can, these five, I'm going to list them off to you, the five reversals, uh, because who knows how far we'll get in this message, because I might get excited, and you'll have to tell me to sit down. They'll turn the music on, and they'll turn the lights out. Okay, so, so I'm just going to give them to you up front here. So the first one is this. We're going to talk about the first reversal is bad news for good news. The second reversal is weeping for joy. The third is, is disgrace for respect. The fourth is hopelessness for faith-filled prayer. And the fifth is barrenness for fruitfulness. I'm going to do my very best to get to each one. I'm looking at the clock. I'm thinking we're in trouble. Let me talk to you about bad news for good news. Verse 1 says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream." Now, literally, of course, the psalmist is speaking to the people of Israel, and he's remembering a moment, historically speaking, when the people of Israel were exiled from Jerusalem. Because of their disobedience, the enemy had been allowed, the Babylonians were allowed to come in and to overthrow the city, to sack and destroy the temple, and to basically carry out all of those, those people that were part of the leadership, all those people that were the wealthy, and actually exile them, take them to Babylon, literally remove them from the very place that God has established them. The very 
place that God had given them as the promised land, the very temple that represented his presence, and all of that was lost, historically speaking. They were gone. And for 70 years, there was no temple, there were no sacrifices, there was no active Jerusalem. For 70 years, the people of Israel were literally wandering, not in the wilderness in this case, but figuratively speaking, they were wandering in the wilderness because they were not any longer in the place that God had intended for them. And then came the day when the king heard about what was going on, he actually opened the door for the people of Israel to begin to return to Zion, to return to Jerusalem. And so the psalmist thinks about that. He says, man, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Can you imagine for 70 years, you're, you're there. Actually, your, your father might tell you about the days when he, when he was there in Jerusalem and they were sacrificing at the temple and the beauty of God's presence and the fact that they were a people set apart from all other peoples and God's hand was on them. You've never experienced that. All you have is this history that used to be great and now you have nothing. You have this, this story that you're supposed to be the people of God, but instead you're in exile. There's nothing for you. And, and, and you, you might, in your worst dreams, you couldn't ever think it could be worse than this. And then suddenly things change. Suddenly the word comes, we're headed back for Jerusalem, which means not just Jerusalem, we're headed back to the presence of the Lord. We're headed back to the place where we get to meet with the Father once again, where we get to climb up to the mountain of the living God and encounter Him and be encountered by Him. Now that's like you're waking up from a dream. It's, it's, it's too wonderful to believe. It's almost like they're shaking themselves, they're pinching themselves, they're thinking, could it really be this good? Talk about some good news. Good news of a return to Zion. They're going home and God's favor had been restored. That's the first level. But there's some even greater news that this is actually echoing, right? That it's actually giving us a hint at that's going to happen in the future. And it's the good news that Jesus himself declared to us and to the people of the planet. When he said in Mark 1.15, this is what Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. When we talk about the good news, uh, it is the gospel. That's actually a transliteration of the Greek word. When we use that word, the gospel, it just means good news, news that brings joy, news that has good tidings. But that word today in our time is typically and only associated with Jesus. We, we don't hear about anybody else talking about the gospel. But the reality is, Historically speaking, when Jesus used this word in the Greek, when he said the gospel, the good news, he was actually using a word that was very common. It wasn't a faith word. It wasn't a religious word at all. It was literally a word that meant life-changing news. It was something that was used when, uh, for example, a king was declaring freedom over a particular land. He, they would say, this is my gospel. They'll actually find in the, in the uh, ancient world, they have found plaques. For example, Caesar Augustus, who was one of the Roman emperors, and it says, a gospel of Caesar Augustus. Because Caesar Augustus had good news for the people under his rule, at least in his opinion, he thought it was good news. Some of you are, uh, are sort of history buffs, and, and you would remember this, but there's a time in history um, where the Greeks were being attacked by the Persians. 
And the Persians were going to come in, and ultimately they did because there was a number of of battles over the years, but they were going to come in and they were going to decimate the Greeks, change their life forever, enslave them, kill many, many, many thousands. Uh, And so it's a a terrible moment, and there was a battle that happened in a place called Marathon. It was a city called Marathon, and the Greeks won this battle. They, they, They got all their generals together, all their troops together. They knew this was the end, and in Marathon, the Greeks won, and they sent back a runner which is where we get our word marathon from. That's why we call it a marathon. And the runner ran from that city all the way to the Greek uh, uh, town of Athens, to the city of Athens, and he declared the good news. Hey, guys, good news. The Persians lost. You are free. You don't have to worry. You're not going to lose your family. You're not going to lose your future. You're not going to lose, but you are actually winners today. See, that's the gospel. So when Jesus says... Today, I'm giving you good news. What he's saying is he's saying there has been an event that has happened that has forever changed something. And that's the difference between Christianity and all the other faiths. Really, just about every faith will give you good advice. They won't necessarily give you good news. See, a lot of faith is about, uh, you know, if if you do these five things, then God will be pleased with you. You'll, you'll receive blessing in your life. If, if, if you just would be a little bit better person, let me give you some advice. If you just do some different things, then God will be happy with you. So common for us today to hear that. But what Jesus offers to us is not good advice. Jesus, the faith of following Christ, this could change your understanding uh, of your faith today. Following Christ is not about following his good advice. Following Christ is about recognizing that something has happened in history that has forever changed the, 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 your fortune. It has forever changed your future. It has forever changed the way that God is related to you. That when we come into an understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, what he has done is he has said, I have opened heaven to you. The good news is historically, I have died on the cross and forever and always, everyone on the planet needs to know that God wants to have a relationship with them, that he has already decided that he loves them, that he has already decided to make his presence available to them, and that for all that would come in. Let me tell you, freedom is available. That is the core of the good news. There has been something that has changed. There's been something that has been reversed. You were on the road to destruction, but the Lord saw you and he took you out of that place and put you on the solid rock. You were headed in the wrong direction, but he has actually seen you and he has turned you around and put you in the right direction. He's given you a purpose and a calling. He's got for you plans. He's got for you goodness that he wants to extend in your life. You're spiritually dead once upon a time and separated from God, but today he's made it possible for you to receive life for death and forever to be connected with him by an inseparable bond that cannot be broken. You cannot be removed from his hand. He has already done it. It's a fact. That's the good news. And that good news. It doesn't start stop there. It's, we've, we received good news for bad news. Secondly, the second reversal is that we received weeping for joy. Weeping joy. Verse 2 says, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And you, and you imagine here's, as we talked about, it's like the unthinkable has happened, the thing that would only happen in their dreams. 
They're in exile, and they just cannot even begin to imagine what would happen. They were living a nightmare, but suddenly, now, all of their greatest hopes and dreams have come true. We get to go back to the place that God has set apart for us. We get to go back into His presence. Now, the response there, of course, is great joy. It's kind of like when somebody gives you good news, and and you just kind of, you got a stupid grin on your face. But you can't, it doesn't matter, you don't care, it is so, you're just so happy. There's just like, you get giggle, because there, there's just such good news that you just got, and you can't contain it, it overflows, you, you find yourself just kind of shouting a little bit, because it is so great. This, this is the sense that the psalmist says that just a moment before they're crying, and now they're shouting in praise. Just a moment before they're thinking, it's the end, and now they realize, oh my God, it's the beginning, God has done something great, and they're heart is overflowing. It reminds me of Psalm 34, 8 that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and, and it's, you can't even begin to imagine when you're in a valley of weeping, you can't begin to imagine how good God is. And then you begin to understand just a little bit of his greatness, just a little bit of how much he loves you, just a little bit of how much he's poured out for you. And you go, oh, wow, I, I never want to forget this. I never want to be anywhere different. I, I feel such sense of joy and gratefulness. Why? Because God has done a great thing. He did it for the people of Israel. He does it for us. This is what Jesus declared. Jesus declared, I'm here to set the captive free. I'm here to bring good news. I'm here to replace mourning with joy. And today, things have been made right. Today, we have access to his presence. Today we have the fullness of his promise and his goodness. Today we know that that when the Lord looks at us, that he doesn't look at us with condemnation. He looks at us and smiles upon us because of the work of Jesus Christ. That when he looks at us, he desires all good things to be given to his children. I think sometimes the people of God forget that. And a lot of times Christians walk around like they've been sucking on a bunch of sour lemons. And I just want to encourage you this morning to remind yourself of the things that God has done, that there has in fact been a great reversal in your life. That if you know Jesus Christ, that everything has changed. And it's, it's, it's not that bad things are not going to happen in your life. They are. It's not that you're, going to exp- you're not going to ever experience mourning or grief or loss. You are going to experience those things. Life is very difficult. I mean, so, so many Christians, they walk around, oh, this is so tough. I don't know, the enemy is really all over me. I don't know, I just don't feel like I can... I mean, you know, we're really... Oh, it's just, yeah, I'm fighting the battle, brother. I just so... I just want to tell you, and I'm saying, life is difficult, but when you have understood the good news of Jesus Christ, the place that you stand now changes everything. The place from which you experience the difficulties of life is completely different because now we grieve with hope. Now we understand we can't lose. Now we are in a different place where no matter what happens in this place, even though I cry tears of grief, I know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is on the throne and he's going to work things out, that he actually is the one who takes the difficult things and the broken things and the impossible things, and he reverses them on the behalf of those who love him, because that's the kind of God 
that we serve. And so let me just encourage you, don't walk around with a sour face. Remind your face to reflect what has happened in your life, that there has in fact been a great reversal of fortune on your behalf. You can't lose. You can't lose. You can't lose. The third reversal is disgrace for respect. Second part of verse 2 says, Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. There was something noticeable, something obvious, that even all the nations that surrounded Israel, they marveled at what God had done. Here comes a people that were exiled, they were powerless, they didn't have any armies, they didn't have any resources, they're stuck somewhere else, their temple is destroyed, their city is destroyed, their future is destroyed, and suddenly God has grace upon them and favor, and the king himself over Babylon sends them back, and they begin to rebuild the walls of their city and rebuild the temple, and the nations go, how in the world is that possible except that God himself must have had favor upon his people? Now, I just want to tell you that you and I are part of the people of God. That when he has his hand on us, that others will actually take note of the fact of what's going on in your life. Not something that you can do, it's not something that you can force, but when you understand that God is your defender, then, when, then what you will see is that those people who laughed at you, who rejected you, who made fun of you for your faith, who walked away from you, who, who said, nah, you, you're never going to make it, that suddenly there will be a reversal that suddenly they'll begin to be, they'll be the ones who are coming to you and saying, oh, can you give me some advice? They'll say, I, I, how do you make it work in your marriage? I mean, these are the same people who were laughing when you made a decision to follow Christ, and now they're going, uh, you got something that I don't have. Maybe you could, I'm not interested in Jesus. I just, can you just give me a little, bit of, a little bit of what you got there? Because there's a reversal that has happened on the people of God. And when you walk in his way and under Jesus Christ, then he is, in fact, your defender. He's your keeper. He's the one that's going to protect your reputation. He's, he's the one that's going to take care of things for you. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fight for it. You just have to be obedient. You say, yes, sir, I'm going to keep being faithful to you. And watch and see what he will do. The nations marveled. People will marvel at you. They'll marvel at your faith the marvel at your faithfulness. Fourth reversal is the hopelessness for faith-filled prayer. Verse four says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. That's the streams in, in the desert. Literally, what we're speaking of, uh, the psalmist is speaking of, is the, the south, southern part of Israel, there was a desert that was barren. And then every once in a while, of course, the rains would come. We're actually very familiar with this, right? Because we live in a desert. Uh, and, uh, and we know what happens when the rains come. Think about when you drive to the coast. We've had a little bit of rain. Uh, over in the next couple of weeks, I would guess that we will see some, uh, some sprouts, or maybe that'll happen in spring. But there's this time when, when you drive through, and, and it was barren, and it was desolate, and there was nothing. Even the dry grass was gone. And then suddenly there's wildflowers and beauty, and you just go, man, this is the most beautiful place ever. Why? because when God sends his rain, then there's always beauty that comes because of it. And so the psalmist is, is praying, and I think this is interesting because he's praying again what he prayed in verse 1. He's praying, restore our fortunes. Well, in verse 1, the, the psalmist said, you restored our fortunes. So why is he now praying, restore our fortunes again? I think part of that is because as they came back into the land, there was now a land that had been untended and uncared for. 
And, and now they had to begin to plow the ground. Now they had to begin to live out life in this place. I mean, yes, their fortunes had been reversed, but there was some work to do. Have you noticed in your life that there's some work to do? Have you noticed that God has some things that he still needs to adjust and change in your life? That you're in process, I'm in process. And unless he actually shows up in the process, I don't really have much of a hope. Unless he shows up and begins to reign on those areas of our life that are barren and desolate, and dead, then life is not going to sprout. And so, he, so the psalmist says, hey, let's, let's be a people of prayer. Let's be a people that continually say, God, would, would you rain down on my life and on my family? Would, would you change some things in my situation? Would you open up the doors of, of my understanding? Would you give me favor, God, when I go to work? Would, would you heal these broken relationships that I have in my life? And see, as a follower, you have to keep praying. You have to keep seeking. You have to keep saying, God, would you work on my behalf? Would you send your rain? Would you open the doors of possibility? The fifth reversal, the fifth exchange is, is barrenness for fruitfulness. You're going to like this one, and I'll end with this one. Verse 5 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Sowing in tears, what, what, what does this mean? Well, imagine, imagine you, you have come back as a Jewish person, back into the promised land, and you're now uh, back on, on, on the land where you have to begin to sow into the ground seed for harvest that is to come. And I would imagine after being away in exile for many years, you don't have a lot of resources. You don't have a lot of things to draw on. You're not coming from a wealthy place. You're, you, you have a very limited, limited resources, limited income, limited things that you can do with. And imagine the farmer going out to his land, and, he, and he's plowing the ground, and, and he begins to sow the seed. But this very seed, why would he sow the seed with weeping? Well, this very seed is the same seed that would feed his family. The very seed is, is the same seed that, that represents for his kids sustenance and life because there's not a lot left over. And, and he's putting the seed into the ground in faith, believing and trusting that the rains are going to come, believing and trusting that there's going to be a harvest on the other end of this act of faithfulness of putting into the ground the very seed that would be so tempting to eat right now because it represents a meal. And, and, and if I put this in the ground, then that means we're not going to have it on this side. I'm not going to be able to feed my kids with it. It may mean we're going to go through some difficult things, and I don't know if I have the answers, and, and I don't even know if this, if this crop is going to turn out. I mean, what if the rains don't come? What if it's, uh, there's a blight and we don't get anything? But he, and so he's crying. He's sowing in tears. He's saying, God, you're faithful and you're true, and, and I know that you're going you're gonna to bring the rain, and, and I know that you're going to cause increase to the seed that I put in the soil, and, and so I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to do the things that you've called me to do and trust that you're going to take care of the rest. And I tell you what, for the people of God, isn't that often how we have to live? We have to be faithful. We sow in the ground seeds that are often watered with tears, I know some of you this morning, you've cried tears for your family, you've cried tears for, 
for your kids, and you've been faithfully sowing in prayer for them and, and for their future, for them to come back into God's house, for, for their destiny to be restored, for them to be set free of the things that they're involved in. And, and, and you're crying tears, but you're putting seed in the ground. You're saying, God, I know you're a faithful God. I know you're a true God. I can trust you. I know that you don't change. I'm going to keep doing the things that you told me to do. I'm going to keep asking because you said keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep going. So I'm going to keep doing it, Lord. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep being obedient, God, because even when I'm obedient, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's going to do anything. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. I just, man, I'm, but God, I know you're true. I know you're faithful, and I'm going to keep saying yes to you. And even though there's temptation of temporary, quick response, gratification, I'm going to say no to that because I'm going to keep sowing into the ground the thing that I know is good because you're a God who never fails. You're a God of the harvest. You're a God who says, I see everything that you put into the ground. I see every prayer that you sowed into the kingdom of God. I see every request that you've offered to me. I see everything that you have given, and I am a God who never fails. I'm a God who keeps account of everything that's going on. And the psalmist says, hey, you might reap, you might sow in tears, but you're going to reap with shouts of joy. There might be a moment when it's difficult, but there's going to be a reversal. There's going to be a time when God comes through. We, we don't always know exactly what the time is. We don't know when it is, but we know forever and always he never fails. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't ever fail his people, and he's not going to fail his people. And so we say, God, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to sow the seed of faithfulness. I'm going to keep praying prayers that even though my eyes are filled with tears, I'm going to sow them into the ground because I know you're a God who catches every single tear. You catch every single prayer. You know exactly what's going on. And you yourself, God, are going to take care of things. There's been a great reversal in our lives. There's something we walk in every day. We shouldn't forget it, that there is good news for bad news. There is joy for mourning. There is a new day that has come. There is a sense in which God is working on your behalf always. So let your face know about it. Let's walk like it's true. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you this morning. Just, if you would, just close your eyes just for a moment and bow your head. Uh, I just want to pray for two groups of people this morning. You might be here today. And the good news for you, the thing for you to receive this morning is simply the news that something has changed and that Jesus Christ has made a way for you. It might be that your perspective has been that Jesus offers good advice. And today for you, today for you, the reality is, and the acceptance is, he's not coming with good advice. He's actually done something for me. He's invited me into a relationship. I want to I tell you this morning that a relationship with Jesus is not something that we control, it's not something that we can contain, and it's not something we fully understand. It's simply something that we're invited into, that when we give everything to Christ, when we believe that good news that he has actually changed our destiny, that he's opened the door to heaven, that what we're doing is we're stepping in and we're giving up our right, our way, our perception, and we're simply saying, God, would you please do it in me? Would you please do it in me? If that, if that is you this morning, if you're at a place where you know that you have not made that decision, where you have not come to that understanding, where you have always seen faith is good advice, but today you're saying faith is a person, 
Faith is a, is a reality of what Jesus has done, and I'm entering into that. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. You're just saying, today I'm coming into a new relationship with Jesus. Today, even though I don't understand it fully, what I'm reaching out for is, Jesus, I need you. I need the open door to heaven. I need you to restore my soul. I'm going to walk into a new place and a new life. And as you raise your hand this morning, you're just saying, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm trusting in you that you can do it, that you have done it, that you've opened the door to heaven. Lord, I just pray, even as hands are lifted this morning, that salvation would visit each and every person, that there'll be a transformation, a reversal that happens right now from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that there be fresh bread that now would be given to your sons and to your daughters in Jesus' name. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for healing. Thank you for hope. Thank you, Lord, that you have changed our morning into dancing, that you have reversed the course of our life, that you, God, are the one that's in control, and we give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and put your hands down just for a moment. I want to pray for one more group this morning. If you're here today, and as I spoke about weeping and sowing and weeping, I just want to pray for those in particular who maybe what you sensed is, is that I need to keep on keeping on. I need to keep sowing that, that good seed. I need to keep being obedient. And I just believe that the Lord is saying to you today, be faithful. Get back, get, get back up again. Don't, don't give up. Keep trusting keep believing, keep stretching. And I believe in that today there are people here today, you just, you just need a little, a, a, a little touch from, from the Lord, a, a little encouragement from his hand that, that he actually is with you in the midst of your faithfulness. And if that's you today, if you're just saying, yeah, I'm going to keep being faithful, or maybe you might be saying, Lord, I'm just reaching out because I need your encouragement. I need your life today in the midst of sowing. And I just want you to raise your hand and raise it up high. You're just saying, God, I, I'm just raising my hand saying, I need you, Jesus. And, and I need your help to continue to be faithful. And Lord, I'm just praying for every hand that's, that's lifted that represents prayers. It represents faithfulness. It represents lives given to you. Thank you, God, that we don't have to be perfect. Thank you, Lord, that you see our brokenness, but you have made a way for us. And thank you, Lord, that you're faithful, that you're faithful. You're the Lord of the harvest. You see every tear that has been sown. You see every piece of obedience that has been given. And God, I just pray that you would preserve your people, that you would strengthen them today, that you would give them a fresh sense of confidence, of hope, and of courage to keep being faithful, to keep sowing the seed in the ground. I pray for an inspiration to come into hearts and minds, to, to keep praying big prayers, to keep reaching out for the King of Kings, to keep giving themselves to him. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen your people in the name of Jesus. I pray a blessing upon your people in Jesus' name, that every broken area would be healed, that every weak area would be strengthened, that Lord Jesus, every blind place would be revealed in the name of Jesus. There would be a new day that would come and that your presence would be given in fullness of joy in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at casinghamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.